Hey guys, welcome back to the Rethink It podcast and uh, YouTube channel, video, vlog. <laughs> um, I am coming back to you guys today with a re-recording of a previously recorded interview with Ken Cedar with the Science of Light. Um, I'm re-recording this because the interview was so super valuable um, and I did not want you to miss it so we brought it back together um, to make this happen for you so you really get a good deep dive into light um, so before we get too far I want you guys to like share and comment or at least like share and follow me okay like share and follow like share and follow um, just let's get this information out to other people um, in that same vein I have been doing a promotion for a MRT food sensitivity test it's about a $400 test um, so and I'm giving it away for free for anybody who um, I can verify has liked, shared, and followed me, either on the podcast or the YouTube. You know how to do both, but I prefer you to do both. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, and you have to also follow me on social media. So I am on Instagram, Clean Living Basics 101, and on Facebook, Clean Living Basics. You'll see my, my face on both of those. So make sure to go to either of those social medias um, and like, share, and follow, and comment on the, on the YouTube or podcast post that is posted um, when each episode loads so pick one but just make sure you're commenting so I know that you're there and I can enroll you in that um, raffle for the MRT now here's the thing I was gonna do six months on that and I'm actually gonna extend that promotion and I will raffle the first week of January so we'll get the foot started right in the right direction with health and wellness let the, the holidays get through our system let the fall settle down and the first of January I will do that raffle for the MRT so I need to know how to get in touch with you so you do have to like share and follow and I need to know you're there so okay so that's it that's my shameless plug let's get started okay so summer is coming to an end the days are getting longer I mean the days are getting shorter and it's a good time to think of ways to prevent common fall illnesses. Many people begin to reach for their essential oils, their melatonin, their vitamin C to boost their immune system, but we often don't think of light as a critical nutrient and as a way to maintain a healthy immune system. And if you live in the Northeast, you probably are a little bit more aware of it because you, you guys up there have even shorter days. So, you know, the closer we get to the North Pole, um, so, but it does, it's not just that it affects your, your, your mood, which is what we see um, with the seasonal affective disorder as you live in higher elevations um, or higher up in, um, not elevations, but toward the North Pole, uh, but it also affects your immune system. It's really important. The fact is our reduced exposure to light in the fall season is a very large contributor to a weakened immune system through the fall and the winter. Um, we have briefly talked about light in a previous podcast episode or two, and people are maybe becoming a little more familiar with the, the use of like near infrared lights uh, for mitochondrial support and health. But today, I want to dig into full spectrum light. Okay, I want to share the science behind um, light as a nutrient and how a lack of light as a nutrient can lead to a whole host of brain health issues. To really dig into the topic, I am being joined by Ken Cedar, the founder and past CEO of Ot Light Systems in Santa Barbara, California. Ken has been teaching what has been called light hygiene 
for over 35 years. He became passionate about um, all of this after studying research by Dr. John Ott, a pioneer in the field of photobiology. Did you know there was a field of photobiology? It's kind of cool, huh? Uh, Ken became fascinated with the research which demonstrated the effects of light on human health and behavior, and as a result, he's dedicated most of his life to raising awareness about something we call malillumination. A, a term coined by Dr. Ott to describe malnutrition of light that most people experience and how it leads to disease and chronic health deterioration. Ken is currently serving as the executive director of the Science of Light, um, a nonprofit organization. And it's dedicated, this nonprofit is dedicated to raising awareness about malillumination and providing natural solutions for the issues through the development of tools like the Nutritional Light Technology System, which we'll be talking about a little bit today. I'm so excited for you guys to hear from Ken and allow him to expand your knowledge about light and, that, and the effect it can have on your brain health. So let's dive in. Welcome back to our podcast, Ken. Um, this is our second time attempting this um, podcast because and video blog um, because we had technical difficulties. Neither of us are extremely tech savvy, so but we are here to talk about light, and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being willing to re-record with us yeah, <laughs> today. My, my, my sincere pleasure, Dr. Sandy. Glad to be here. Ken, do you want to get us started um, talking about, give us a little bit of, of your background in the Science of Light Foundation and, and how you got into the study of light? Sure. Well, <clears throat> about, give or take, about 35 years ago in that ballpark, I had been working for um, a, a, an owner of a toy company in New York. And make a long story short, I had completed a task that he was really quite happy with and uh, offered me an opportunity to take a look at some of the, the deals, as he called them, that were on his desk. And he said, if I find one that I like, he would back me, you know, and be my partner in business. He was just so appreciative for the work that I had done for the few years before. All said, I went into his office, and lo and behold, there was a video sitting on the top of that pile. I put that video into the player, and lo and behold, it was Dr. John Ott showing a lot of his time-lapse work and at the time, I never, I did not know who Dr. Ott was. I was vaguely familiar with time-lapse ph photography, which was kind of new many years mm -hmm. back. Um, and I was just blown away. I was absolutely smitten by what I saw, flowers unfolding and things of that nature. And, and a lot of the work happened to have been done for Walt Disney. Anyways, that said, I went back to my employer and said, wow, who is that guy? <laughs> what is that all about? And he proceeded to tell me that this fellow, Dr. John Ott, um, was obviously a time-lapse photographer and a researcher and that he had, uh, that my friend was backing some of his research and the research at the time was about radiation and televisions, ironically. Uh, my friend hated televisions because his young kids were glued to the screen. Mm -hmm. and was, so he was yeah. backing some of, John's, some, some of John's work and basically made an introduction for me to visit with John, which I did at the time. I think he was in Sarasota, Florida. We were on the East Coast, up in New York. Anyways, met John, and that meeting ended up being a license agreement, and I formed Art Light Systems way back, I think it's 87 or 88. That's basically how it all started, was that video 
and then a license agreement with the late Dr. John Ott. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's a really cool story. That so that 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 kind of is the background of how you got connected with John Ott. Yep. And John Ott was kind of the what we consider him the pioneer in light research, yeah, John, right? John, yeah, John for all intent and purpose. I mean, absolute genius. He was actually mm -hmm. a banker. Was his business ah. by trade, and, and he was a horticulturist of sorts and a, a photographer, needless to say, and especially time-lapse photography. He was one of the earliest guys dealing with time-lapse, did a lot of the work for Walt Disney, a lot of the scenes that we may have all seen in years gone by of, of speeded-up sequences was most all, if not all, was late Dr. John Ott's work. But I was, like I say, what really got me, I was just so smitten. It, for some reason, it just really touched me to see what light could do to a plant uh, and that said, got that license agreement. I was really excited. And a curious side note, just shortly after getting the license agreement on the cover, I, I really quite sure, I just remember the date, on the cover of People magazine at the time, which would have been 87 or 88, I forget the month, was a picture of Dr. Norman Rosenthal sitting with a big light box, I mean, two feet by four feet, and the title of the cover said that light cures, didn't say helps, light cures depression. So I was in a state of shock because that was new information to me, and Dr. Rosenthal was the guy that brought the idea of SAD and light therapy to the world back in the late 80s. So it was off to a rolling start, needless to say, that not only was I interested in full-spectrum light of Dr. Arts, but the possibility of light actually, for lack of better, curing depression. I was looking for, I'm, I'm, while you're talking, I was just kind of seeing if I could find that, you know, that, that uh, um, cover, because yeah, that would be it, so fun it was, to get a hold of. It was People neat. Magazine, and I would say it was probably 1988. Unfortunately, Dr. Sandy, I don't remember the month, but absolutely okay. the cover of People Magazine, Dr. Oh, People Magazine. Rosenthal. Okay, let's see. Let's see if we can get a hold of that. And yeah. Just peek at, well, there's a bunch of stuff that's coming up. Dr. Rosenthal's book sure does show up here yeah, when we talk sure. about yeah. So when we're talking about light, though, you know, when people in the holistic space talk about light, and, and my clients and my audience, when they think about light and the kind of the health and wellness and holistic space, oftentimes they think they go right to that, like, near-infrared light, yeah. not the full-spectrum light. So I really I'm excited that you're going to dig into some of that and the difference between sure. near infrared versus, you know, sunlight versus full spectrum light versus <laughs> blue light, you know, okay. all those, those, you know, different forms of light out there, far infrared, near infrared. I mean, I have a far infrared sauna. Uh, and I use a near-infrared light for different things. So, you know, what's the difference? Can you dig into that for us sure. a little bit? But first, the, the term full-spectrum light was coined by Dr. Ott, again, many years back. And at the time, he was referencing full-spectrum light to be artificial light that was similar in nature to sunshine. That was mm -hmm. the first thing. And when John coined that term and gave the definition of full-spectrum light, again, we're speaking about artificial full-spectrum mm. light, artificial. he was referring to the visible spectrum of what you would see if you stepped outdoors. And he was also including in his definition ultraviolet light. That is to right. say a trace amount, a, a small amount of ultraviolet that mm -hmm. 
uh, Dr. Ott demonstrated that as much as the world has a, a usually or unfortunately a negative perspective of ultraviolet, it's actually very important and very helpful yeah. in its yeah. proper dosage. Uh, right. you know, ODing on anything, too much water, you can drown. But the Correct. point is, <laughs> I always it. tell people that I'm always saying, like, too much of anything can yeah, kill you. Absolutely. Too absolutely. much of anything. <laughs> so John's definition, like I said, was basically visible light that also included the ultraviolet. Ironically, in his day, he did not touch into the near infrared light that is extremely popular, as you've already uh, mentioned. These mm -hmm. days, for whatever it's worth. There are, I, I think I just read recently a headline that there's over 5,000 peer-reviewed papers on near-infrared in particular. And just yeah. to, to touch on that a little tiny bit. We, we know that the visible spectrum is sort of in the middle, and we have ultraviolet, which is invisible, on one end, do I dare say the blue end of the spectrum. And on the red side of the spectrum, we have infrared, and we have near, which is non-thermal, no heat very close to the red and just starts to become invisible. Then there's a range that some people refer to as mid and then there's far. The far is definitely the heat, as you've just mentioned, that you use an, <clears throat> excuse me, a far infrared sauna. That would be very correct. You could also have different types of infrared sauna that have all three. They refer to as full spectrum sauna. Mm -hmm. However, the point is that the infrared that's thermal would be the far the non-thermal, non-heat producing is the near. Most of the research that I've read is about the near, the non-thermal, and its benefits, although I'll just touch on a few, I don't really chase all of the science of it, but a lot of it is about pain management. Near-infrared has been demonstrated to be extremely beneficial for managing some kinds of pain. I think nerve pain in particular, if I'm not mistaken, it's certainly been really on the, I think what really kicked it in gear was for beauty. Near infrared on the skin and manufacturing of collagen and removing, you know, small wrinkles, especially around the eye. I think that the beauty industry is what really, you know, kicked it into high gear, to be quite frank with you. Uh, the reason I compare that, I was involved with full spectrum life for 30 years, and it was a very slow ball moving the ball up a hill. Near infrared and beauty and pain management came about, and when it became headline. So mm -hmm. I'm a little yeah. jealous of that regard of the. Yeah, the right. <laughs> but, but the near infrared is extremely popular, obviously, as, as mentioned. In the same vein, just to touch a little bit, the blue light. A lot of people have heard about this blue light issue. I think that the public, I think, is getting kind of hip to the fact that you have to watch your screen time in particular. Well, blue light is natural, and, in, and it's essential during daylight hours. And matter of fact, if you think of a nice sunny day, what color is the sky? It's blue. blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so blue, blue, blue <laughs> is absolutely essential. And it's a wavelength that in the morning, when the sun comes up, basically has the power to shut off melatonin, a hormone that's pretty much associated with sleep, although a lot more, and has the power to turn on serotonin, which is very energizing, as I'm sure you well know. That, that said, blue light during the day is absolutely essential. The problem with blue light to a great degree, especially with these screens, cell phones, computers, uh, you know, uh, things of that nature, is that they're powered by a wavelength of light that helps them show a glow in the range of blue light. I believe it's usually 450 nanometers, which is basically identified as being harmful to the retina of the eye when it does not have 
the near infrared. So ah, the unbalance. During, yeah, <laughs> unbalance. You're, you're right yeah. on the money, Doc. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, during the day when we're outdoors and we have the high level of blue, which is, again, fine, natural, and essential. However, what most people may not be aware of, we've got a ton of that near infrared and infrared, which is what we've already just said. It's balancing it. So in nature, when you have the visible spectrum with the high blue, although you don't see it, there's an invisible component of infrared. Isn't That's that what's lacking in today's lights. These, uh, I'll shift the gear if I might a little bit to yeah. tie that in. Yeah. The LED lights that are now so very popular, uh, energy mm -hmm. efficient. Those energy efficient LED lights are usually pumped or glow because of a, a blue emitter that makes it glow. That said, because of the fact of that low energy, they have left out the near infrared. So the negative of LEDs is not that they're energy efficient, they're wonderful, they're very long life, and they give you beautiful, you know, good visual, visual acuity. The downside is that they're a bit like a Trojan horse. They're giving you good energy efficiency, they're giving you good visual acuity, but lacking that near-infrared, lacking the balance, is lacking causing balance. a problem for the retina, and over the long haul of a lot of use, they're associated with macular degeneration. So exactly. it's, yeah, it's essential to reduce that blue light at night and whether you use something like a blue blocking lens, the bottom line is sun up, lights on, sun up, blue light, no problem. Mm -hmm. Sun down, reduce that blue light, whether with a blue blocker or if you can, shifting to red light indoors right. at night would be a That's great right. idea. As odd as it may be to get used to it, but the, the point is the red light does not disturb the melatonin. That's the trick of the red light. So you can see what you're doing. You got to get used to it because it's yeah. a bit odd to be walking around in the red. But the truth of the matter, it's very, very beneficial compared to, of course, the white or the blue light or the white that you don't see the blue, but is right there just the same. We're going to have to change the police song. Listen to that police who sings Roxanne. You don't have to put on the red light. Let's put on the red light. <laughs> It's really, it's really good. Again, I think that it's, I believe that it's associated with the fact that we've evolved probably as cavemen, quite frankly, and yeah. we've had, you know, lit a fire to go to sleep by at night or to keep warm, and somehow yeah. we've adjusted to the color of the glow of that fire, and it doesn't seem to disturb us at night. Now they're mm -hmm. even recognizing, I just read a tidbit of research, I think, I want to say Alzheimer's, I may be mistaken, it was definitely mm -hmm. dementia associated, and they were now doing red light therapy while folks were sleeping and they mm. were finding that while they were sleeping the red light or do i dare say red light in the near was actually more beneficial in assisting dementia than during the daytime so hmm. again it's just interesting stuff that's being found out and the red light and the near infrared in particular mind-blowing mm -hmm. health benefits recovery from exercise as i said beauty pain mm -hmm. management really quite miraculous because the thing with infrared light um, near infrared light like that is actually su tremendously supportive to the mitochondrial function oh, it's and, and it's a subcellular level so yes it's it's doing the collagen and all the the reason it's able to heal collagen and repair muscle and all that is because at the foundational level of your cell at the mitochondrial level yeah. it's doing its repair it's it's energizing the Krebs cycle it's it's producing no, ATP I, and energy I, you, you're absolutely I mean it, it's absolutely an essential component to make mm -hmm. that ATP. So mm -hmm. the near infrared, as you've already just well stated, it's essential. It really, really is. And mm -hmm. if you think about it for a moment, 
fluorescent light does not have the near infrared. No. The LEDs, right, the LEDs do not have, excuse me, the LEDs do not have it. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. we spend somewhere over 90% of our time indoors, at least in general. So, so again, and it brings <laughs> yes. up a wonderful term, if you don't mind me putting this word out, what we're all about, malillumination. A lot That's of folks, right. when you say it, it's not just about light deprivation of not getting enough sunlight. It's not right. getting enough sunlight in conjunction with a lot of limited spectrum light being indoors. Right. So the indoor right. environment. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to scare people, but I want to scare them to recognize that their light environment could really be challenging their health unwittingly. Right. I, you know, I, I don't love to use fear as a motivation, but at the same time, there, I heard this wonderful analogy one time that if somebody held you to the edge of a cliff <laughs> and they, you know, and you felt scared and you did everything you could to get off the edge of the cliff, that fear motivated your action to get away from the edge of the cliff. So that fear, is it good or is it bad? <laughs> the fear is good in that sense. If it motivates you, if it doesn't paralyze you and, and, and bring, you know, but if it motivates you to the right action, then it's a good thing to have a healthy degree of fear. Um, and you mentioned malillumination, and you know, I came across, and it was all your fault that I came across this um, <laughs> this YouTube video. I think you presented it at a meeting that I was attending, but I want to share this with the audience. It was a, a video um, showing the effects on the brain of, you know, malillumination, these studies that were done, I think, by John Ott, was that right? Classroom yeah, Full of I Children. Yeah, I think okay. that what you're referencing, I had three little clips together of some of John's work. One was on school children with yep. hidden, hidden cameras in the Sarasota School Department. Another mm -hmm. one, I forget whether it was Purdue or one of the large chicken you know, and egg folks. It was lighting in chicken coops, you know, mass coops. And the final one was done with fluorescent lighting, which is a whole other story if you want to touch on that somewhere later. But the fact is it was fluorescent lighting different colors of fluorescent and mm -hmm. the lifespan of laboratory mice. It was really quite shocking. I mean, all of them are, but they all demonstrate different aspects of what malillumination can do, whether it be a child and learning disabilities, or again, these chickens or mice and lifespan. Quite shocking. If you can play that, I'll be quiet and we'll watch it together. Yeah, let's see if I can figure this out. So bear with me, audience. I am technically not savvy so we're going to pull it up though see if we can find it and i'm going to go ahead and play that has funded numerous studies on the effects of artificial light on animals and humans one study centered on school children and classroom lighting john ott explains time-lapse cameras were used in a standard first grade classroom and several hyperactive children may be noted, especially the boy in the immediate foreground. Ninety days after, the regular cool white fluorescent tubes were replaced with the new type full-spectrum fluorescent tubes with radiation shields, there was a marked improvement noted, and the extremely hyperactive boy has voluntarily moved up to the front row. He raises his hand for recognition and is now up at the blackboard taking part in classroom activities. Prior to the time that this new lighting was installed, this particular boy had an extreme learning disability problem, but quickly learned to read within 90 days after the new lights were installed. 
Another study for the poultry industry found that chickens living under full-spectrum light had dramatic improvements over their counterparts living under common artificial light. They not only lived twice as long, but produced significantly more eggs. In addition, the chickens were calmer, attacked each other less, and their eggs were lower in cholesterol. Perhaps the most frightening study conducted centered on the lifespan of mice raised under various lighting conditions. This spectrum chart illustrates the range of light wavelengths from ultraviolet through the visible spectrum to infrared. Natural daylight is charted here, running fairly evenly throughout the visible spectrum and dropping off sharply in the ultraviolet. Mice raised under the pink fluorescent tubes covering this narrow wavelength of light only lived an average of seven and a half months. Mice living under daylight white fluorescence lived an average of 8.2 months. Under full spectrum plastic, which blocks very little natural daylight, the mice lived an average of 15.6 months. And finally, mice living under natural outdoor daylight lived an average of 16.1 months, almost twice as long as their counterparts under the limited spectrum fluorescence. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty shocking stuff. That's and the, crazy. And the sad part, Dr. Sandy, as I'm sure you're aware, fluorescent lighting still is used globally. I mean, it's probably still the primary lighting. And a lot of the facts remain that not only does it have all those negatives, but Dr. Ott identified the fact that the industry never accepted. I mean, he demonstrated that fluorescent tubes are putting out low-level X-ray radiation. I mean, X-ray radiation. And you believe, ha had they accepted that, of course, it would have been an indictment, you know, that they were a hazard. And John was able to demonstrate, they claimed that, well, they have, you know, they measured it and there's no problem, but he didn't use a measuring device, you know, that was not in tune with the day. He used time-lapse photography cameras to demonstrate what was really going on, and he was able to prove it. And then followed by the U.S. Navy, one of three or four different research that were done with sailors in particular on board a ship. Of course, the reflections of the ocean and the sun and the concern for skin cancer is obvious. We've been led to believe. And they were comparing those sailors on board ship to sailors that were on, on land, administrative tasks in fluorescent lit offices on the land. Guess who had the higher incident of skin cancer? The landlocked guys, the guys in the office, not the guys on the boat. <laughs> so, so quite amazing. I mean, and it's what incredible. Did, it was a combination of the poor color spectrum, but most specifically, the low-level X-ray radiation that John proved without a question. Not, he didn't prove. He showed it on time-lapse camera. The camera did not lie. And yet, of course, as I say, the industry went poo-poo and said that he was off his rocker, and needless to say, many people are still dealing with these fluorescents worldwide and wondering why they're having some of these health issues that they're blaming on God knows whatever right. other reason, and they're completely, <laughs> right. pardon the pun, they're truly in the dark about the light over their head or exactly. the light on their desk is a, could be a major contributor to their ill health, and in the same vein, changing to the right light could be a major contributor to their wellness. I mean, it's 100%. change your life, change your life.
Exactly. There's two things, or maybe I have three comments. <laughs> One was, holy cow, the mouse and the poor lighting lived yep. seven and a half months, and twice the mice and ultra light, longer than twice as long, because yeah, 16 is... 16 is larger than seven. It's not twice, two, and some change longer, you know. So it was significantly longer. That was outrageous. And then the other comment I wanted to make was because you mentioned the um, the outside, this the, the the sailors on the boat. <laughs> I remember being um, a PA student back in the day doing my Durham rotation, and you know I remember a guy coming in my office. He was like, "Yeah, he had skin cancer on his face. Yeah, I was a soldier in Okinawa. I don't remember where he was. He was yeah, somewhere. Yeah. It was like a long time ago. <laughs> he was an old guy. He's like, yeah, that's why I have all these skin cancers. And that's and the dermatologist was like, yep, yeah, that's why he's all the skin cancers and you know he's like oh we didn't wear sunscreen back then and who knows what you know but the thing I would say about that is you know in a wartime environment you've got different functions going on here you're not you're not just at sea you've got exposure to a whole host of chemicals so there's that and then he lived his lifetime you know he lived a lifetime of probably who knows what in an office did he maybe in an office so, that, you know, I've, skin cancer, we've, uh, there's so much research now showing that skin cancer is not a function of being exposed to sunlight. In fact, I, that's one of my pet peeves is that people slather on sunscreen. Now, mind you, if you go to the beach and you're there for a long time and you're getting a, a long duration of sunlight during those big bright times, you know, 11 to for for an extended period of time i yeah okay <laughs> put some sunscreen on don't get a sunburn or use wisdom but i i have a big issue with the 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 instructions that i was taught to give to patients was if you walk outside you have sunscreen on your face and it's in all the a lot of the, a lot of the moisturizers for women you know they're just building it into your into your lotions and moisturizers to make it easier but i i think it's actually tremendously harmful well, <laughs> and then know, the, go ahead I, I, i'm in full agreement with you and if, if you see there are many of these different um skin cream and different skin products to 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 help you in the sun some of them are more harmful than the sun will ever be so and, and that continues that news comes out years later on occasion, but the point still remains. I, I jokingly call it safe sun. I mean, being practical, going out in the sun, you don't come from New York in the winter and go to Miami and lay out for the whole day. I mean, you know, a little bit, just a little bit of common sense to, to progressively adjust to it. So again, I, I'm anti, you know, those creams and stuff to some, by all means, you know, put on a, a brimmed hat, you know, put on a shirt or a jacket or, or touch your skin when it turns pink. It means you've had enough very simple, common things. But to mm -hmm. put all that goopy stuff all over you with those chemicals, my bet is that in many cases, it's doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the, the third point I was that came to mind as you were sharing uh, about the fluorescent lights putting off radiation, like micro radiation, was just that I just put myself back in the operating room because you know I work in the OR um, as in anesthesia, and I can tell you the hospital. First of all, we know that the hospitals have the largest 
EMF footprint. If you drive past, uh, you know, buildings and there's a hospital on, and you're checking your EMF, your EMF reader will go through the roof going past the hospital. So we've got electromagnetic frequency discharged from the hospital just because we're so Wi-Fi and so wired and so everything. And then the radiation that we have exposed there is high because of the fluorescent light. And then we have the lack of proper balanced light. And this is where people come to heal and recover from places and trauma and surgery and infection. And they're there for long times. I, I think more, you know, trauma is one thing. I think there's a place for trauma. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. But it's when you're chronically ill and you end up in the ICU and you're there for months and you're not getting sunlight, you're not getting clean water, you're not getting grounded, and you're surrounded by EMF and radiation. How can that help the process of healing? It's very frustrating for me. And, and you know Same something? Up. There was research done just to, to support what you just said. They, I, again, I don't remember when, you'll forgive my wonderful memory on this, but the fact remains, they did research that identified the sunny side of the hospital versus the shade side of the hospital. Oh, really? And, and the amount of time for recovery based on how long a patient stayed. I don't remember the number, but it was very significant that rooms with natural light coming in through the window, the stay for the same type of you know, medical condition was reduced noticeably, quite dramatically, wow. just because sunshine was coming into it. So, I mean, there was some real research done about that. Again, it's a while back, but it's these crazy. things get forgotten or get lost, or the powers that be that I, I understand mm-hmm. greed and I mm-hmm. understand big business yeah. enough. I'm not opposed to them making money, but. Mm-hmm. I'm not really quite a fan of the pharmaceutical companies. I don't mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with some of the wonderful things. Don't misunderstand me. Mm-hmm. I'm not anti, you know, good medicine. But right. the fact remains to promote products that are definitely unnatural, not mm-hmm. proven, and or some of the negatives that go with it, I just, I, it's, it's hard to mm-hmm. buy it. And especially, when, again, the irony of a hospital where you go to heal. Weak. Yeah. Of all the places that should be as as pristine and and hopefully supportive, you know, of a good healthy environment, it's probably as you've already mentioned, and I it's possibly one of the worst kind of. That's crazy. funny. I I was just thinking today about um, a lot of my my friends that are in kind of agricultural thing, or they have horses or large animals and yeah. farmers and things like that. I, I have a, a, quite a few friends like that, and they have an instinctive understanding of you know like that we want to do that kind of the holistic thing almost to the fault where they won't even go it's a joke in medicine like the farmer came in by himself and it's an emergency like yeah. he, he's about to die because <laughs> you know, the farmer doesn't go to the hospital they, don't, they, they go they're like the hospital we go there to die but I, it's funny um it's funny because they they go to the things that work um naturally because they have these large animals they have to care for and we we forget we are not much far removed from those mammals that are horses and cows <laughs> you know we need the same thing good soil they 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 deworm their animals every six months you know there's there's they're grounding them they're feeding them good nutrition you know they're making sure they're supplemented and they're getting tons of sunlight (laughs) you know and you know you're probably familiar uh doc also these days it seems if longevity is like the new hot research of sorts and of course along with that word longevity you'll often see the the term 
blue zones, as you may be familiar, these mm -hmm. areas in the world where folks seem to live, you know, longer and older, uh, into old age, 100 plus. Well, you know, I'm sure that hard work, you know, in some of these areas, and I'm sure that some of the simple foods like the Mediterranean diet are definitely a factor. But if you look at these blue zones, I think it's fair to say every single one of them has a common thread. The amount of time that these folks spend outdoors. Outside. So I'm yeah, not claiming it. Yeah, it's not only the sunshine. It's the green. It's the air. But the fact mm -hmm. still remains... Outdoors, when I was a kid, I'm 77. When I was a kid, they couldn't get us to come in from play. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't get kids, I'm being a bit sarcastic, but you yeah. can't get kids to let go of that computer or that cell phone and right. get outside. So, I mean, it's yeah. so it, it's so flipped over. Um, yeah. And coming away And we have the, increasing rates of ADHD, um, autism, neurodivergence, and even young onset dementia, and we wonder why that might be. You know, it, 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 there's definitely a light link. And the other thing I always want to emphasize on that is light, because light, the cells use light in so many ways. It catalyzes everything in our cells. It's an incredible piece of our uh, unmentioned part of uh, the cellular function. And eating raw foods is another great way, if those foods are cultivated in the right way, to get the light from the chlorophyll of those plants, you know? So just also back to the diet and, and getting light, you know, internally from a good healthy diet as well. But um, yeah, so anyway, um, I did want to go. I'll, I'll go add ahead. a comment to you just before you close that thought. Albert Einstein, a reasonably intelligent chap, they say, yeah. <laughs> he made the comment that everything in the universe breaks down to a packet of light called a photon. And he said, therefore, he said, <laughs> we as humans are technically light beings. So right. not only is light as important as you've already mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, it's the language of the cells. We are light in the truest mm -hmm. sense. If everything of the material, uh, Albert Einstein said that what appears to be material is nothing but light moving slowly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Organized and slowly. <laughs> Again, it, it, it's, it's a challenge to... It's know, spoken a like people, a physicist. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's challenging because fortunately a, a lot of information is out there for nutrition and people mm -hmm. are catching on that junk food is not exactly a great idea and mm -hmm. that good nutrition can be helpful. Ironically, as I think that we, you and I may have touched on on the last go around, you know, they say that the that the uh, how they go the the body is the temple of the soul and i say mm -hmm. that it houses the spirit and mm -hmm. being a house is that analogy most mm -hmm. of us recognize in our homes we have a plumbing system and an mm -hmm. electrical system and the yep. fact is a human body basically has the same and we mm -hmm. realize a lot about the plumbing system and nutrition but few people realize that light is an absolute nutrient that enters your body through the retina of your eye, and it's absolutely essential. And most people, again, pardon the pun, are in the dark. They have no They're, clue really of the importance <laughs> on so many levels. I mean, it's that's what's really incredible. shocking. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. I mean, I don't really have anything to add to that. It's 100 percent accurate. <laughs> I I really want people to take away, you know, when I point out the 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 environmental risk of a hospital. I don't bring it out to, to, to degrade the hospital. Just I point it out to help people become more um, environmentally conscious and in the sense of their environment, yet not, not 
protect not save the planets blah 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 yes i'm all for that but when you're dealing with your health you're not an isolated island you're you are a part of the human <laughs> you know network of beings and you move into different environments and every environment has its own unique set of maybe risks or or benefits right and when you go into a hospital you have to understand the health risks that are there there are benefits at that in that environment but there's also risks and those risks can literally affect the brain and the way the body heals and to mitigate that is something that you have to be intentional about I work in a hospital three days a week so I am very intentional on my you know every morning I make sure I'm getting sunlight every every day during during the day I'm the weird one who <laughs> on my break I take my shoes off and I walk outside I don't care if right. there's snow on the ground you know and I'm getting sunlight during the day because I'm in the operating room where it's like a cave and it's absolutely fluorescent light you know and some days I'm in an operating room that's completely black <laughs> with just a few fluorescent lights so it's really really a, a lack of it's a nutrient deficiency of light <laughs> which leads me to and you know the the next kind of thing i was going to talk about was the way that the light literally affects every system in our body it affects our weight management our cognitive function dementia prevention sex drive our immune function and so much more I mean, it's it's literally an endocrine stabilization nutrient. <laughs> Wouldn't you call it that, or what would you call it? Well, well, again, if, if folks would recognize this too, according to, to Dr. Ott, and I believe it was Jacob, Dr. Jacob Liebman, both made a comment that stuck in my head years ago. They said that if a, if a human was standing outdoors naked in the noonday sun, the largest organ of the body, the skin, absorbs only 2% of the sunlight's energy. The body's two percent. Only two percent. And the, the, bit, the whole surface area of the body, two percent. And the body's smallest organ, the eye, <coughs> excuse me, takes in ninety-eight percent of the sunlight wow. energy. So just imagine, I think most are probably a little bit familiar with vitamin D being kind of important. Imagine yeah. if if 2% in the skin of sunlight energy produces vitamin D and whatever else it may benefit. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that 98% that's entering the body through the retina of your eye is going directly to your brain. Your mm -hmm. brain is electrical, your nervous system is electrical, and it's being yes, powered by light that we call photocurrent. So the sheer fact of what that light does, especially Dr. Sandy, as you mm -hmm. know, first thing in the morning, if you're going to get light and if you had no light for the rest of the day, darn it all, please at least get it first thing in the morning to set mm -hmm. your circadian rhythm because just about every cell has its own little time clock. And yep. when you set that time clock with nature first thing in the morning, 15 minutes to a half an hour is all you really need, according to the research, just mm -hmm. to get your human being and your rhythm in sync with nature. There's probably nothing at least more important. Maybe there's some things as important like fresh air and drinking water, of course. Yeah. But the fact is morning sunlight. Step out in the morning sun if you can. Even better, take a little walk for 15 minutes. And That's if you right. can't, at least go close to a window. Give yourself 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour of that light. It's free. It will yep. absolutely, unequivocally, progressively benefit your health 
beyond imagination. So again, yeah. as you've said, it's it is it is the language of the cells. It is the yeah. voltage of the cells. I, I can't again. I can't imagine. You'll forgive me. What's more important? Yeah, I agree with you. And it's funny because you said uh, you know here's the smallest organ of our of our body. The eye is the is where ninety eight percent of the light enters. And we tell all of our patients, especially if you're in ophthalmology, that my goodness, you need to wear those Ray, those Ray Bans or the the light blocking, you know, the UV protecting light, blah blah sunglasses. Make sure you live in high sunlight areas. Cover your eyes, protect your eyes, or you'll get macular degeneration. I'm going to argue this is a rethink it podcast, but I want you to rethink that because that's yeah. not what's causing your macular degeneration. In fact, you're you're actually disrupting your whole endocrine system True. that way. Would you at last podcast? I think you mentioned a few light, um, a few lenses that people should use to protect their eyes if they are in blinding light and you're driving. Say you're driving a long sure. time. It's what kind of glasses do you recommend? If you're going to wear sunglasses, let me back up too. As far as what you made reference to, to the the light in the eye, you've never seen a baby come out of the womb with sunglasses. <laughs> However, I, I'm not. I'm certainly not opposed, especially drivers. You know, right. maybe golfers mm -hmm. or athletes yeah. or whatever. But if you're going to be out Skiers. in the sun, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to be out in the sun and you need something, first my first suggestion would be just a visor would be the mm -hmm. first choice. If a visor doesn't give you the sun protection or glare that you know that you need to, then you want to use sunglasses that are called neutral, neutral, neutral. gray. It's, they, you can buy them in a dollar store or you can have them, you know, fancy ones made. But the point is, the reason for the neutral gray, it takes all of the colors of the spectrum, sunlight in this case, that mm -hmm. comes through the gray, instead of altering the sunlight, it simply filters it down so you're still getting the full spectrum. It's just being reduced for lack of brightness or lack of volume. Any other color technically when that light comes through that lens let's just say hypothetically it's a green lens when mm -hmm. the light hits that green lens the bulk of the light energy that's going into the eye is going to be green it's mm -hmm. going to change from full spectrum to monochromatic that's not the ideal so that's the gray right. again is a simple very very simple fix gray or what they refer to simply i believe the term is simply uh, neutral. They may also be called natural gray, but neutral mm -hmm. was the term I got from Dr. Ott. Neutral gray lenses, they're inexpensive. It, mm -hmm. It's an absolute game changer because, mm -hmm. again, the downside of light, unfortunately, on nature, it's slow moving to the degree mm -hmm. of how it affects us. It's not mm -hmm. like taking a drug or sticking a needle and looking for some instant response, which, mm -hmm. again, I'm not opposed to as needed. However, mm -hmm. Nature she kind of moves kind of slow, sometimes a few days, maybe in a few weeks, for things to heal properly. So that's the fact right. Is we're so Thank you for saying that, because well, I think that's something I have to point out to my clients a lot is like, we're working to restore the foundation of every cell and restore healing and homeostasis to those cells. That's how you heal, and that's a slower process. <laughs> but the good news but the good news of that slow process, it builds a wonderful foundation as it mm -hmm. grows. So again, I, I'm hopeful that you know those folks that, that you communicate with from your patients to your family and friends, that they get it. 
yeah, nature moves slow, but I, I don't know of anything that's better. And way before, just a couple of hundred years back, before all this modern medicine, I mean, ch traditional Chinese medicine, uh, and, and what was it, Hippocrates, the father of modern let medicine be your food and food be your medicine. That's and right. the Chinese with their herbs, I mean, my goodness, mm -hmm. it was yeah. a different world. It seems to me that some of that world was better than some of the, do I just right. say modern medicine? It's, it's, it's kind of shameful. Yeah. Modern medicine, I feel like it, 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 it had to develop with the modernity of industry and things like that. Um, it had to develop because mo modernity and in the industrial, you know, period where we had all this new, you know, development and industry and, and pollution that developed quickly. Yeah. The population couldn't handle the pollution. I, I, I try to teach people this concept of terrain theory that no, the bugs aren't the problem, it's the pollution. And the bugs are actually cleaning the, the pollution <laughs> out of your body. You know, and, and think about industry as we developed our industry really rapidly. They had the ghettos in, the, in, in England and in New York, and it was disgusting. It was just disgusting. People lived in filth. And you know, uh, human health declined rapidly as a result of that. They and one thing I think was really interesting. I came across this in a um, history journal recently, and they it was this concept that people thought people today think that in the Middle Ages, like in the say 1100s, 1200s, 1300s, that people lived less. They lived shorter, right? Mm -hmm. And that today we live longer. And as, as it turns out, that's actually incorrect. Yeah. If you lived through childhood, your length, your longevity was actually the same as it is today. Actually, right. it may be somewhat better. Well, <laughs> Can you believe that? that? Yeah, right. that's a really interesting um, phenomenon. It's an interesting fact that I didn't, I didn't know. But then I start reading through history, and I'm reading through all these famous people, and they lived. I'm calculating their ages. I'm like, they lived to be 78, 79. You know, like there are there uh, these people from the late, you know, middle, middle ages that lived a long time. And you know, what's the difference? I mean, they had filth in a different way. We have filth in another way. The problem isn't filth. How do we manage it? Right? <laughs> Naturally is always the best way. Clean up the body bring it what it needs, the light, the nutrients. And, you know, the, the thing you kept um, bringing up, I think the last time was really the, the, the place holder for light is like, where does it fit? It fits in as a nutrient. It really is a nutrient to the body. So that's why when we consider an imbalance of light, we consider it like malnutrition. It's malillumination. <laughs> and again, and, and a, a footnote of that, it is the lack of proper light, mm -hmm. too much bad light is unquestionably malillumination, as mm -hmm. you've already mentioned, akin to malnutrition and a poor diet. What a lot of people also don't know, and I got this from Dr. Jacob Liebman, as well as Dr. Art, I believe was initially, and that is that not only is light a nutrient unto itself, but because light is 100% responsible for your metabolism, I mean, that's 100%, not 99%. Metabolism is based on light 100%. Therefore, if you're not getting 
the full spectrum of light into your life in the course of, you know, a, a day. The foods that you ingest, you will simply not metabolize fully. Imagine there's so yeah. many folks who are into vitamins. Vitamins are the number one therapy in the world. And yep. some of them... It's a pill. <laughs> and some can be painfully expensive. And right. sometimes people are popping pills by the handful. But the point I'm trying to make, if you don't have the proper light, I don't care how good the brand is as far as name and how many people take it, if you do not have the proper light, being the full spectrum of sunshine or its equivalent of coming into your life, artificial, true, balanced full spectrum light, you will simply not make maximum use. You will not absorb properly those nutrients. And I hate to sound rude, but it goes down the toilet bowl. It does. It does. So exactly it, right. Yeah. It's so the, the it's most expensive huge, vitamin is the one that doesn't work. <laughs> well, and I mean, and that's a huge waste. You can spend, in many cases, hundreds of dollars for some people a month, not even to mention, even forget the vitamins, just good nutrition. Right. You know, whatever you ingest, you may think you're getting great food and you probably are. The question is, if it's not being, you know, digested properly if it if it's not metabolized properly some of it has simply been wasted so again right. it, it's it's such a simple fix it's so so organic and so common that yeah. it's right in our face and we seem to be blinded by it right. in the wrong way staying in the dark <laughs> yeah it's the truth well you've made it a passion of yours kind of to provide this solutions for this epidemic of I'd say malnutrition by creating technology like the science of light technology. Can you explain the difference between the technology that you have in science of light and the traditional full spectrum lights that are available like at Home Depot or Amazon? Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, as I mentioned earlier, when John Ott brought to the world the concept of full spectrum light, he was pro-ultraviolet, which is He's been able to demonstrate this good research at our website that proves that the proper amount of UV is really essential. However, the fact is he did not deal with the near-infrared, nor was I aware of the idea. I wasn't the scientist. I mean, John was an absolute genius. God bless him and rest his soul. But the fact is we started, we being, by the way, my brother Len and myself, we started our little nonprofit science of light about 10 or 12 years, I think it was 2012, so just, just over 10 years ago. And for many years, we were simply raising awareness with a little website. You know, whoever would visit, we would try to give them information as to why sunlight was so important. And it was basically free and available, and, you know, for those that could get out into the sun. Mm -hmm. A few years back when we started to take a peek at some of this, you know, uh, news coming out about near-infrared in particular, near-infrared in red, and photobiomodulation and the, the, the beauty for the skin and the recovery from, you know, from exercise, we really started to pay attention and said, gee, you know, near-infrared light, we, we, didn't, we didn't have that in the art light when we were making art lights, so we started to take a look and compare notes of what we used to make for Dr. Art. And we recognized that in the days of fluorescent, which is what an art light was when I was involved. It was fluorescent? No, the, the art light in its day was fluorescent. Oh. His patents. John, the, the art light in its day, or the light that was called art light, was of fluorescent was the type of light. And mm -hmm. it also was a fixture. It wasn't a bulb or a tube like, like you now see as an art light. The art light today is not the real art light that John Ott's 
patent was about. He had three different patents without going too far into it, but it required a fixture, a complete oh. fixture to shield the low-level x-rays, to shield the radio frequency waves, and to add the ultraviolet. That's what John Ott had three different patents for the real, what I call the real mm. Ott light. Today, mm. I'm, I'm not in agreement with what is being sold from my limited perspective. They are not selling what I know as an art light. However, mm. the fact is, my brother and I noticed that there was no infrared in John's light. And as we started to review the research, we started to recognize, as we've already touched, of the importance to balance the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So we basically went to some engineers that had the brain power to understand what we were speaking of, what we wanted. And after a window of time, they devised a product for us that we went away from the concept of full spectrum to a degree. And to try to separate ourselves, we refer to our technology as nutritional light technology, which like we've that. already touched on, that mm -hmm. light is a nutrient. That's so right. we see ourselves as the fullest spectrum because we include a trace amount of ultraviolet that I believe nobody else does. We have the fullest spectrum from a manufacturer of LEDs that is the finest product that's out there currently to the best of our knowledge. Mm -hmm. So we use other people's technology. And we've added a broad band of near-infrared light, five different wavelengths, painfully expensive, a little yeah. bit complex, but the fact is we've made a product that is truly full spectrum by our standard. Mm -hmm. It is balanced light. It not only doesn't hurt the eye and mm -hmm. lead to potentially lead to macular degeneration, actually because of the near infrared, it regenerates and rebuilds the cells mm -hmm. in the eye. So the light wow. is really good for you and truly full spectrum. It is not a Trojan horse like conventional full spectrum that may elevate your mood. You may even see pretty good from it, good visual acuity, mm -hmm. but you're silently and simultaneously receiving a negative of unbalanced light. Mm -hmm. It will affect your eyesight over time. So we've mm -hmm. created nutritional light technology. We do believe it's the best that's in the marketplace. We recommend it, especially for the morning, as we've touched on, for regulating circadian rhythm in particular, mm -hmm. especially for computer operators. But for that mm -hmm. matter, anybody that's indoors, we believe in most cases, they would benefit from our light, you know, 100%. And, and so we put that product out there I guess it's almost two years now, mm -hmm. nutritional light technology. Mm -hmm. We are a nonprofit. We do not collect donations, unfortunately, mm -hmm. to tell people to go out in the sunshine. Yeah. So sales of our products help support our message. My brother and I are, well, I guess we'd say we're volunteers. We do not take a paycheck. We go back into research and development of our products. So we love whoever's listening to take a look at our website possibly, take mm -hmm. a view of some of our information. We sell our products on a nine, uh, excuse me, a 60-day money-back guarantee. I think yeah. we've gotten one return, and it was only because somebody didn't read what they were getting, and they didn't <sighs> like what they saw because our near-infrared basically is invisible, and they thought the product wasn't working. Oh, oh well, there you go. Well, all that information on his website and all those links will be in our show notes as usual when I highlight something that I think is valuable to your health. So don't don't forget to look in the show notes on both uh, YouTube and 
and um, the podcast um, for that information. Um, are there any potential risks or side effects with using the nutritional light technology? No, I think I think that because it energizes first and foremost. I mean, light being you know photo current, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it, it is energy in its rawest form. Mm -hmm. I would say for those folks that may be very sensitive, light colored eyes in particular, light skin, light eyes. If if they, if they get a little too charged up, if you would, you would simply either A, move the light a little further back, yeah. change the angle so the volume, or simply use it less. But the only side effect that we've ever had was that people get a little too amped up, and it's very obvious, you just simply use it less. But the, the fact is, there's no real negative side effect. I experienced that when I used yeah, your light. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's a very bright light. I was like, ooh, this is fun. Let's see. Here, I'll turn, I'll turn on the one in my desk so you, the audience can see how bright it is. It's yeah. extremely bright. That's just beside me. That's well, crazy, well, the, isn't it? It gave you a halo. You looked quite heavenly. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so um, I obviously use I use the, pan, the light box um, kind of regularly. I'm sitting at my desk, and at night you have an infrared um, yes. piece to it as well. It helps balance my hormones. It's certainly going through, you know, I'm in my mid-40s. It's, it's definitely helped me a lot with balancing yeah. the, the effects of hormonal changes in my sleep. So I usually use that infrared right before I go to bed yep. um, and the full spectrum first thing in the morning. Um, and it, it does make a big difference, and I highly recommend it. Um, how do you recommend people incorporate it into their lives, well, just at, starting by adding it in in the morning? or? Yeah, no, I would say first and foremost, the most ideal time is first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. As soon as you wake up, whatever that hour may be that you're used to waking up in the morning, to try to get to the light. The light has two different modes set on a timer. It's 15 minutes of what we call the full spectrum that does include the near-infrared. When that 15 minutes is up, you then follow with mode two, which is just the near infrared for 15. So the protocol, Dr. Sandy, is a half an hour. Preferably, half hour? Yeah, preferably first thing in the morning. The first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah, primarily the benefit being for that circadian rhythm. That's really what we're trying to pay attention to. That's what it's about. Yeah, circadian mm -hmm. rhythm, again, it's just so, so very essential, is that circadian rhythm to get that in sync with nature. Then you could use the light throughout the day, almost like a cup of coffee. If you're getting kind yeah. of slumped or low energy, you turn yeah. on that light, as you've already shown. That, that really cranks you up without question. And therefore... For those folks that are at a computer, especially if you're there a lot, to shift mm -hmm. to the second mode of the near-infrared. I, I As I speak to you, my near-infrared is on as we speak. And what it's doing, it's not stopping the radiation or the blue light. That's it. Yeah. It's not stopping it. What it's doing is the near-infrared is countering the blue light. It's benefiting your eyes. So if you're mm -hmm. at a computer, I can't think of anything better than a near-infrared light source, whether it be ours or even That's somebody else's, quite frankly. The near-infrared, mm -hmm. nothing beats ours, we don't believe, because it's a wide band. You know, we cover a, a, a good part of the spectrum. But the fact remains, computer operators, before bedtime, as you've already mentioned, ideal. Mm -hmm. And a rule of thumb, sun up, lights on indoors, sun down, reduce your light as much as possible, preferably shift to red if you can, or at the very least, dim light and stay away from computers and phones as best as you can. They say an hour, maybe even two hours if you can pull it off. I assure you, if you'll just try that, it will benefit your sleep enormously. It's a change in the lifestyle, but it's a change that works so 
powerfully. I just because we're changing something free, we're not adding a pill. <laughs> and with something that's simple that you actually have the power to do yourself. Um, doesn't make it less valuable. Actually, it's one of the most powerful things you can do. And, and I'll mention too, as you may know, Dr. Sandy, if by chance a, a viewer is aware of the fact that light, about between 83 and 87 percent of the time, light therapy, a true full spectrum light therapy like ours, will reduce the effect of depression, will mitigate yes. depression. And not only that, in many cases, medical insurance, if it's prescribed by a physician for depression, although it will vary with the insurance, many cases, medical insurance will cover it. So the efficacy wow. is so well, so well proven. It's, it's not, you know, um, hype, as you, we both yeah, have been it's saying. Not hype. There's tons person. of research. It, it, the good news is it really works. Yes. I'll leave you with what, um, you know, you mentioned Einstein, and he said um, the medicine of, or uh, the medicine of the future is the future. Uh, medicine of the future is the future of frequencies. I got this. Always get this wrong, but it's like yeah. because everything is frequency. The future of medicine is frequency yeah, and, and light. And that's what's so, occurring right now. And yeah, the cornerstone of frequency is light. All so you have to do is a little bit of research on what the World Health Organization is actually studying. Yeah. And you'll understand that they are aware of this. <laughs> this is you well know, known. It's just not. I'd like to put a plug in too for a, 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 a brother student of Dr. Dr. Jacob Lieberman. You're probably familiar. Light medicine in the future. I believe that Dr. Dr. Lieberman wrote that book, if I'm not mistaken, I probably, I, I'm going to guess maybe again, 30, 35 years ago. A wonderful book, Light Medicine in the Future. Well, the good news is the future has arrived. The future has arrived, and you have the power to change your health more power than you know so i'm so thankful that you took the time to re-record this podcast yeah. because again i think there was tons of uh, nuggets in there i know we ran a little long but i just didn't want you to stop talking because there, you just gave so much good information and um, i hope that it really helped everybody understand the power that light holds and that they should not miss it it is easy easy especially as we enter into the fall this is a great time for this podcast R to come out you know people are going to stay in especially i live in colorado so we get snow and it's easy to go from building to car to building just the way in the south i feel like i did the same thing i did building to car to building to avoid the heat yeah. you know step outside sit outside for 15 minutes just make an intentional intention about that and and you will do miracles for your health <laughs> i think if you if your viewers check out our website soulshine s-o-l-s-h-i-n-e Dot org, soulshine.org. We've got good information about SAD, which you just touched on, that's mm -hmm. coming as we change of season. That seasonal depression slowly creeps up on so many people. And again, yep. many, pardon the pun, are in the dark. They don't have a, an awareness of why am I fatigued or why am I yep. this or why am I that, or getting the blues and depressed. There's just so much good information. We really encourage folks to please yep. get out in the sun. It's, it's a resource. Yeah, be, it's, it's, yeah, be yeah. sure to check out his website because it is there's a whole lot of information free information lots of videos lots of education and if you're one of those that just has to learn it all before you do anything then you can learn it all there so all right thank you ken i appreciate your time and i'll see you guys next time thanks dr sandy <laughs> thanks. thank you very much appreciate it Right. For the next Bye. six months, as we try to get the word out there about this podcast content, we are offering a very special promotion. We will be doing a drawing to give away a free MRT food sensitivity test, which samples the top 88 common food sensitivities. 
This test has a value of $399 and we will be giving it away for free. MRT is the most advanced and reliable test for hidden inflammatory reactions to foods and food chemicals and it identifies your best foods. So this is not a allergen test, this is a food sensitivity test. This helps you when you identify your best foods and I, all those hidden inflammatory reactions. It helps you make a strategic food plan in order to rapidly reduce systemic and digestive inflammation which improves outcomes of any other digestive health program that you're currently participating in. This is something I do for a lot of my clients um, in order to rapidly get ahead of the inflammation that they're dealing with. For more information about the test, please go to our website, beyondbrainhealth.com and check out the direct to you labs. We'll, we'll also provide a link for you in the show notes. So you can check that out as well if that's an easier direction for you. But as I said above, I am excited to offer this test, this $399 test to you for free. Here's how you qualify to get it for free, okay? So I'm gonna warn you, since this test is almost $400, there are a few steps you must qualify, I mean, you must follow to qualify for this drawing. Okay, it's a $400 test, so it's not just one step, you guys. <laughs> so here we go go to your show notes on whatever podcaster you're listening on whether it's google apple or spotify give us a rating good or bad i appreciate both and comment on the podcast i really appreciate the honest feedback especially as i'm growing and learning this whole post podcasting education process i want you guys to really enjoy our time together so let me know how i'm doing all right, number two, step number two, you will also follow us on Instagram or Facebook, please, and give us a comment there as well. Those links should also be found on every single episode of our show notes. So you just need to open the show notes that you're listening on right now and, you know, click, click the link to your Instagram or Facebook, um, whichever you guys prefer social media platform that you prefer to be on and follow us there and give us a comment. And lastly, to qualify for the drawing, please share this podcast with at least one person. Okay. So to sum up, you're giving us a rating on your favorite podcaster, whichever one you prefer. You're going to follow us on the podcast and on Instagram or Facebook, whichever you're on and give us a comment on both. And lastly, you're going to share this content at, with at least one person. That's a few steps, but it shouldn't take you more than 60 seconds to complete all three. We will be doing the drawing on December 15th, 2023. So let's get the word out there. My hope is that this podcast has left you with a few new insights, hopefully some encouragement, and most importantly, some actionable steps forward toward healing your body and your brain. If you found this content helpful, please don't forget to give us a like and, a, and share it with someone else who might benefit from it. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages. I love hearing from you guys. I look forward to spending some time with you again soon. So until then, celebrate the small victories. There really is hope for lasting healing. <laughs>